0: in this church that would have prayed for my family as we were gone for an extended period of time. And we're going to spend some time today talking about that. As Josh mentioned, the kind of the theme of the day is is missions. Uh, Thank God for a church that cares about God's great commission. Amen? Thank God for an opportunity. I mean, we have seemingly endless opportunities. There's opportunities to get involved and to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the thing that's more important than anything else Uh, in the world, really. I mean, everything else that we do should serve that ultimate end. And so we're going to spend some time talking about that. We're going to give you a recap of some of the things that we've been involved in in the mission trip where we were just at. But before we get there, i got some other things I want to cover with you very briefly. And uh, so let me just say on the front end, if if for uh, some reason you find yourself here at First Baptist Church for the very first time, or maybe just the second time, and this is fairly new to you, Man, we're so glad you're here. We're so glad that you came, and I hope this is an opportunity for you to just worship and connect with the Lord. Today's a little bit unusual. It's not just a normal preaching Sunday, but we're going to have like seven or eight people up here sharing. It's going to be kind of cool. So uh, just hang with us, and uh, hopefully you'll come back and, and visit with us again. But uh, in the spirit of just wanting always to serve the Lord and reach out and, and do whatever the Lord would lead us to do, uh, we have some, some great news. It's it's happy and sad, depending on how you look at it, Um, but Paul and Lisa Hutchison, come on up here, Paul and Lisa, and their family has prayed for a long time, and we've discussed together for a long time, Uh, they are going to be moving permanently to Milledgeville, Georgia, and in Milledgeville, Georgia, come on up here, Brett, and um, they are going to, Bryce, come on up, man, and and the little ones are probably next door, okay, and um, they're going to be working with Andy Schultz down in Church Central. And uh, this has been a long process they've been praying about. Um, Paul and Lisa, of course, have been serving in this church for many, many years. And Paul's a deacon and a, and a teacher and a discipler and the leader in the Open Door Life Group. And, man, the whole family's just been plugged in in a lot of areas. And so um, having them leave us is sad for us. Um, but knowing that, man, some of our very best people are going out to help train other people in other places that will train other people that will go to other places is just a just a phenomenal opportunity and uh you know it hurts a little on our side but you know can I can I say I'm usually not allowed to say this like ch- ladies you know sorry childbirth has pain but you give birth and there's new life and there's growth and you're happy and you're th- I know I'm not allowed to talk about childbirth sorry and but it's it's awesome. We're very proud of you. We love you guys so much. And I just wanted Paul just to be able to share briefly uh, what God's been doing in his heart and his life and how he led him to ultimately move his family to Georgia. Thanks,
1: Jeff. And I'll just give you sort of the paraphrase short version. Um, that way we can, we can get through this. But, um, you know, one verse that really has just stood out through this whole thing that God has just really spoke to my heart and through us through this is, is Proverbs sixteen nine. A man divides us the way in his heart but the Lord directed the steps, you know, and and that verse really, really took meaning through this this whole process of of just having a willingness to serve and do what God wants to do, whatever that might be, not always sure sometimes, I know what God was doing with us here, but then God really began to lay in our hearts of going somewhere and really just doing what's going on here, what... The thing that really began to just challenge my heart is the fact that when we get out beyond these doors here, um, you go from getting to giving. You really do. Because once you get out of here, you learn you got to give. I mean, God has just blessed his church so much, Jeff, and what he's done here and, and the way that he has given to us through his word and how he has spoken and, and what we're, we're given here by God. And, man, it's just so easy to just want to just stay coddled up into this. And it's awesome. It's an awesome thing what God does. But I hear so many people, you know, guests that come in and say, man, I wish we could just have something like this. And that just really began to stir my heart thinking that, wow, we need to go out and try to help some other places that that want that. And so the one key exciting thing that we're looking to do down in Milledgeville at, at Church Central is in the next year, or two, we're going to be uh, actually taking a whole year aside there for the LTI, and we're going to be teaching church history, and um, guys, that's going to be sort of the heartbeat of of what God's going to do with that church, and I know that's kind of what really set this place off here, and God's going to set that opportunity there at Church Central, and just pray. Pray for us that God would just open up some hearts there um, that would just grab a hold of that. I mean, really, that's almost like the manuscript evidence of, of what God has done through history and, and His Word and where it's at today. And, and man, if some people grab a hold of that down there, He can take a little place like Milledgeville and use it for great things, just like He's taken a little place like New Philadelphia and used it for great things. And I really believe God's going to gonna do that there. So I just ask that you just really pray for us and that certain thing. Pray for our, our, our family. I have, I have Bryce and Brett and my wife Lisa, and I got the two little ones. Bethany and Brian, they're over there across um, in the Sunday school classes, but really be praying for us as we make this transition. It, it, it's, it, it's really a bittersweet thing, you know, um, it's, um, we're going to miss it. This is our home, you know, and, and uh, this is always going to be our home to us, and we're, we're going to miss this place a lot, but we want to go and we want to give the way that God wants to use us to give and however that may be. And so that's what we're, we're planning on doing. So just really uh, pray for us that God would really do some work there at Church Central that we can just see a place, a little place like that, little old Milledgeville um, in, in Georgia begin to just sprout and grow and, and give new life in God's word.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so let me just say, for, for those of you that are not aware, when he mentioned LTI, that would be the cash equivalent of our MTT classes. It's like a second-level discipleship training. Yeah. And Paul and Lisa will be involved in helping that church develop their teaching ministry, a gift that Paul has. And so uh, that's why the permanent move. And, and let me just say, man, we love you guys. And we're going to miss you like crazy, but we're so excited. I mean, it, it's, here's the, the theme of the day is it's worth it to serve the Lord. It's worth it. And it, it costs you something. There's a sacrifice involved. But it's worth it because there's so much joy on the other side that maybe you don't even realize yet. But there's going to be joys for you. Waiting that are going to be so exciting as well as the fact that we'll just continue to rejoice together in what God's doing. We're invested in that church ministry as well and so so it's exciting that you can go down and join them. Church, will you just join me as we pray for this family? And then when the service is over, I'm just going to ask you guys, gather your kids or whatever, but just be available out in the lobby so people can meet you okay. and that sort of thing. And you can hug them and love them, tell them you're going to be praying for them and that sort of thing. Let's just, let's just pray for the Hutchinsons. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. And we're we're thrilled, we're we're rejoicing in the fact that you have chosen to take this family and and to relocate them to a place where there is great need and there's an opportunity and and there's a place that, that has some momentum, but they need more help, and you have chosen to move this family to go help them do that. And and that means that you have a plan. That means that there's fruit waiting. That means that there's people who are hungry, who need to hear, and and Lord, at the end of the day, it's you, you and your spirit and your word. And, and using this family, your people, to go and to help them get it done. I pray for safety and, and just all the logistics of their travel, but I, I just pray for good health and good spiritual health and a smooth landing and, and, and deep, good friendships with new families that love you down in Georgia and opportunities for fruit that many people will come to know you. And, and this ministry will not just be in a ministry of addition, but of multiplication as people are invested in, and they learn to grow and lead others. And, Lord, we'll for sure miss the Hutchisons, but certainly they'll be back, and certainly we can visit them. And, and, Lord, we'll just pray and continue to stay connected through you and your Holy Spirit. Use them, bless them, and give them great fruit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Okay, so let me just say this. Um, like I said, it's great to be back, and, and I'm so, so very thankful for everybody that pitched in and helped make sure that everything kept moving forward while I'm not here, obviously, this is a big ministry. Obviously it would be ridiculous to think that, you know, I have that much to do with keeping everything going forward. But specifically on Sunday mornings, you know, I invited two very good friends to come and speak. Kenny Morgan came in and did three weeks, and, and he's a great friend, and I had a lot of good reviews from a lot of people. I just loved, enjoyed hearing the word of God through Kenny. And then Mike Schultz as well was here, and Mike's up here in the balcony. And thank. Thank you, Mike, for coming and filling in and helping us, and just great encouragement, man. I listen. These guys are are not just my friends, and they are my friends, but they're they're guys that love God and have proven ministries, and uh, you know, thankfully, all these messages go online. I, I listened to them all. I was encouraged. I was fed. Uh, it was it was really a great thing, and I'm I'm really very grateful for all that um they were able to do to help bring forth this theme of a summer revival. I mean, think about it. The Bible says that we are not to get weary in well-doing, but but we do get weary in well-doing sometimes, don't we? And sometimes when, you know, the life just kind of drags on, you you forget some of the vibrancy that is in Jesus Christ. And so you need to be reminded. And so God used these guys to help remind us of all those things. And so I'm just so so very thankful for their service to this church body and and all of your help in in keeping that going. Okay, so today, let me just remind us all then again that the goal of a revival, revival is just re-stirring up life that we have possessed, but maybe let the fire go cold. The goal of doing that is not just so we shout a little louder when we sing. It's not just so you know, we, we feel like everything's going to go great in our lives and our problems will go away. In fact, the goal of getting revived and walking in the Spirit is to accomplish God's mission. It's to take His Spirit working through us, through His Word in our lives, to reach out and to touch other people with His Word. The Great Commission is very simple. It is to go and make disciples of all nations. And again, like I said, we've had opportunities and are in the midst of many current opportunities of people sacrificing their time and their resources to go and to bring the gospel to make disciples of peoples of all nations. Uh, We have John chapter 4 and verse 35, and John 4, 35 is kind of the theme for today's message. And it's Jesus Christ at the end of the story with the woman in the well. And, And he says to her, he says, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest." In other words, the mindset of the people was there's a harvest out there somewhere, but it's later, it's not now. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. We had an opportunity together with the medical missions outreach team to Albania to lift up our eyes and look on the fields that were white already. To harvest and and i want to encourage you with stories from this team it says in lamentations chapter 3 and verse 51 that my eye affects my heart and, and let me encourage you on the front end as you're listening to the things god has been doing and considering your life and your role that maybe god would stir your heart if you've never taken the time to go on a foreign mission trip to, to plan ahead and save some money and, and get time off of work and, and go and lift up your eyes and look on the fields that are white already ready to harvest and let what you see affect your heart. Uh, I want to describe for you just briefly what this work is all about with medical missions. I know that our church has participated in a lot of different outreaches with them, and it's a phenomenal organization. And, and this trip, just because we had like 35 of our people On this team is particularly significant. Because it was in Albania, which was my home away from home, it's particularly significant. And so let me just describe to you uh, I'm I'm gonna read the names of the people that were on the team and the areas that they worked in. And if you're, I know some people are on vacation and some people are doing other things. If you're in this room and I read your name, just stand up, okay? Chris Wood, if you're here, just stand up. I'm not gonna wait for everybody to look around. Chris Wood, Grace Fatangeli, and Marisa Bartell all worked in the area called triage. Marisa, you can stand up. It's okay. Grace is up there. Okay, great. So they worked in the area called triage. You go ahead and have a seat, and that's basically just taking blood pressure and receiving the patients on the front end, getting their weight and some vitals before they pass them on to the medical team. They're passed on to the medical team through a group of different people that we just called runners. They just moved people from place to place. We have J.R. Thomas, we had Ray Hicks, we had Rick Silhammer, and Craig Williams and they worked in that area. Uh, you guys can sit down, thank you. We had then the group of general medical practitioners. We have Dr. Rob Levitt and Dr. Melissa Hauser. We had Jen Thomas. We had Austin and Kristen Cole. Uh, Michael Guerin, who's also now in Cambodia. God bless him with that jet lag. And, uh, and Chase Steele served in that, in that area. So we're clapping for Chase. All right, praise the Lord for that. Got some good friends there, man. Uh, in the physical therapy area, we had Laura Williams and uh, James Morosky. And so I know Laura's out. If James is here, in the back. James is in the back. Praise the Lord. You guys did a phenomenal job. I was so impressed with everything that you guys did. Uh, in the lab, uh, Bobby Thompson and Alyssa Salmons. They worked in the lab and did a lot of other things. I know that's a gross generalization of what they did, but that was kind of the, the heart of what they did. In the dental area, Dr. Tom Steele. Uh, Dr. Uh, Malcolm Taylor and Peggy, uh, Heidi Sammons, and Linda Hobart all worked in the dental area. You guys just stand up, man. I know we, people are in church today. All right, there's a few of you. God bless you. Okay, awesome. And uh, oh, we've got some photos, so there you go. And uh, in the vision clinic, the vi- vision clinic takes the most amount of patients as anybody. And, you know, poor Tom Perkowski is the only physician. Tom Perkowski, God bless him, man. What a great job he did seeing Thousands of people, unbelievable, uh, tireless work, together with Wanda Sealhammer, Evie and Riley Steele, Rachel Gibbs, Brooke Horvath, Ally Forrest, Elise Thompson, Maya Thomas, Erla, and Milena Bartel. So come on, man. You could do it. Don't be afraid. Stand up for a second. Let people see who you are. All right? Thank you. You can sit down. Okay, thanks so much. Listen, I just wanted everybody to kind of get an idea. This is, this is, a, this is a big honking deal. Okay, this is a lot of work. And a lot of people spent a lot of time working hard putting this together. And so this this is the first Baptist team, okay, that, that worked together with about 13 or 14 others from other churches, and man, it was just a wonderful thing. So obviously, why do we do all this? The reason we do all this is because we want people to for sure receive some medical care where they need it. But the reason we're doing all this is so that every patient that entered the clinic could hear a clear presentation of the gospel one-on-one presented by a member of the local church from Duris, Albania, the, the Duris Bible Church, uh, Pastor Sazan Hoja that's been here with us years ago. Uh, they, they're members of their team. They were just, we set up tables in the gymnasium, table after table after table, where there was people from the church sitting on one side of the table, and as soon as the patient was done with their care, we sat them on the other side of the table, and one-on-one, over 2,000 people heard a clear presentation of the gospel, and Cezanne and had taken a, a little video on his phone. It's not the greatest quality, but I want to play the short video just to give you a glimpse of what was going on throughout this gymnasium and the evangelism, if we can play that little video. <laughs> Okay, so, I mean, that's just so precious. And so the one half of the gym was the vision clinic and the other half was the evangelism. And all the people that worked in vision could just glance across the room and see person after person after person as the gospel was being shared with them. And a lot of people had their heads bowed right there and, and they were praying. And listen, y'all know, I, I, you know, missions has been my vocation, but it, it's, it's my heartbeat. I believe it's the Lord's heartbeat. I've been on a lot Of mission trips, not even counting where I live full-time. I've been on a lot of mission trips, and I'm just telling you, this trip ranks up there with the very best, if not the very best trip I've ever been on in my entire life. I mean, God just met us and did some amazing things, and a lot of, I mean, the Lord gets all the glory and all the credit, but I'm so thankful to all the team members, to Bradley Edmondson and and the organization of Medical Missions Outreach that just pulled this thing off. It was just a wonderful thing to see. And so what I, what I want to do is let you hear from some of the team members. Okay, so there's so many. We certainly couldn't bring them all up. So I've invited like six or seven of them to come up here and just share with you some of their experience. What I've asked them to do is just give an impression of one of the greatest things God did in their heart and life, one of the things that they really learned more than anything else. And I'm just going to read the lineup of people who are coming. Uh, The first one's going to be Dr. Rob Levitt. So come on up, Rob. And uh, after Rob, just so you kind of know your order, as soon as Rob's done, we're going to have Jen Thomas. And after Jen is going to be Brooke Horvath. After Brooke is going to be Rachel Gibbs. After Rachel is going to be Bobby and Elise Thompson. And then after Bobby and Elise is going to be Craig Williams. So Man, just share with us what God was doing. I'm going to have a seat and just rejoice with everybody else. Morning.
2: Um, As Jeff said, I'm Rob Levitt. I'm a general surgeon at Union Hospital. And as you can tell just from your friends and what Pastor Jeff said, it really was an awesome trip. I mean, uh, over 200 people would have responded to the gospel and called upon the name of Jesus uh, to be their Savior. So, So that, that really makes it a worthwhile trip, um, even if the rest of it stunk. And I had to room with Tom Perkowski, and it's worth <laughs> it. All for the gospel. I've got a special crown in heaven for that one. Um, but yeah, no, it was an awesome trip. Um, from a personal standpoint, uh, just a, a few personal uh, high, highlights of the trip. I got to stand in the Adriatic Ocean and eat corn on the cob. Pretty cool. It gets better. Um, I got to visit the set of the Albanian version of Good Morning America and put makeup on. Who doesn't want to do that? Um, And lastly, I went to a surprise wedding. I've never been to one of those before. Uh, My hat's off to JR uh, for renewing their vows. i got to be honest with you. I wouldn't give my wife a second chance to say no. She said yes, and it's done. <laughs> but she did say yes, twice. Um, but no, all kidding aside. Um, you know, when you go on these trips, um, you know, it's sad to say, but as a doctor, a health care provider, if you haven't figured it out, we get a little fool of ourselves, um, you know, not only on a missions trip, but just in everyday life. Um, and going on this trip, um, you know, I'm thinking, okay, God. What I'm gonna do is probably gonna be stressful, difficult, uh, and from a medical standpoint, probably you know more important than some of the other jobs. Um, but I can tell you, before we went on the trip, Pastor Jeff and Erla told us that uh, Albanian people struggle with staying in organized lines, and uh, they weren't kidding about that part. Of it. <laughs> you know, as I saw patients, I would watch them register and take their vitals. And uh, you know, dismiss the patients, give them their handout, and I can tell you, it was chaotic. Um, my job was way easy compared to what they were doing. Um, honestly, I mean, some of our people helped with that, uh, but the bulk of that work was done by the Albanian church. And to be honest with you, they were the real heroes of the trip. Um, you know, having said that, you know, why do I say that? Um, if you look at the Bible, when Jesus was here on the earth. Um, when he would do something miraculous in somebody or through somebody, he was always quick to point out, hey, it's your faith that allowed this to happen. And if you stop for a second and think about that, how crazy is that? The God of the universe is limited, at least in part, on this earth by what he can do through our faith. And if you really examine that faith, um, the, the faith that Jesus stood up and said, wow, that is great faith, if you look at that faith, it was propped up and bathed in humility. I mean, people humble themselves, and God uses them. So unfortunately for me, God keeps hitting me over the head with the same lesson when I go on these trips. You know, if I want God to use my faith, if I want him to do something great in me and through me to further the gospel, or to help people, it begins and ends with humility. And I would encourage you all to think of it that way. You know, whether you're going on a missions trip or just going to work every day, if you can start and end with humility, God will do something great in your life and for the gospel. Thanks for listening.
3: All right, so I'm Jen Thomas. Um, I'm a nurse practitioner at the uh, Union Hospital at Cambridge Hospital. And Jeff asked us to tell you a few things that we learned on our trip So I'm very humbled to be in front of you, and I'll try not to speak too quickly and loud enough. The first thing that I learned was about brotherly love, and this is my second trip to Albania, and it's very interesting how when you go and you meet people, just how loving and caring they are for never having met you before, but just because you are a brother or sister in Christ. So that was very humbling to me in the sense that um, I don't know that I'm all that friendly when you come to visit my church here. So um, just the fact that I need to step up and be a little bit more, um, this is our home as Christians, and we need to be more welcoming or more willing to help in different areas of our church, and that's something I really need to work on. And some of the verses that um, God revealed to me during the trip was Romans 12.10, Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. And John 13.34-35 a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have loved one to another. And even within our group, um, we had some sickness and some injuries and just how loving everybody was to make sure that that person was doing well and to care for them. It was really amazing to see God using that. Um, the second thing um, was the urgency of the mission. I did have a lady on the first day come in that had stage four breast cancer. Um, she had received treatment and it obviously didn't work. And so the point that she was so ill that they had to carry her in on a chair and carry her out because she was not, she she's not going to be here much longer. And so just to see this woman how urgent that our mission really is that they hear the gospel and be able to be saved. So the verse that the Lord gave me during that one is John 5:25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not con- come into commenta- commendation sorry, I can't speak but is passed from death unto life. So just the urgency of this lady that she needed the gospel and they were looking so fervently to us uh, to fix her and help her and of course there's nothing we can do at this point for this woman. Um, I did ask the interpreter whether um, she did receive the gospel and she did not. So um, if you, I don't know her name but um, God does. Still working? Okay. Um, so just to pray for the people around us and the people that we come in contact to that we really should be doing a better job of evangelizing because we don't know if they'll be able to see the next day. Um, and the third thing is what is my true job? And you got to see some video a little bit about them evangelizing. And so I sit back and think, okay, if it was left to me and I had to evangelize, would I be able to do what these people were doing in their church of evangelizing? And probably not. I'm not as bold as they were. Um, at giving the gospel and so that made me take another look that that is really why God left me here is to be a witness for him so the verse that he gave me on that is the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe and so it was nice to do something for a week just for God not for a paycheck and to see that that really is what our mission is and that I need to be um, more purposeful in doing that Um, that's all thanks
4: Hi, my name is Brooke Horvath. And I would just, first of all, like to point out, although I am a Horvath, I am not a smooth talker on stage like my husband, Kale, is. So if you don't mind just bearing with me if I stumble a little bit. Um, But anyway, uh, this trip I was very excited for, because although I'm not a medical professional, I do work in Dr. Tom Perkowski's eye doctor office. So it was really cool that I got the chance to go down to a different country and do the same thing that I do here. Um, uh, a couple things that I did learn that God really, you know, spoke in my life and that he, t- that he taught me on this trip was just to trust him with my life and to depend on him more. Because Cale can sometimes be my, my comfort blanket. And since he wasn't on this trip, it really just stretched me in that way of just trusting and depending on him. And uh, the couple other things um, was just how much he grew my love for his people and the mission field. Um, I was talking to one of the girls in Duras, from the Duras Church, and we were, um, before we had gotten there, they had gone out and passed out flyers to the people in Duras, and just giving them, letting them know we were going to be there, that there was going to be a medical clinic, and um, that Americans were coming to help them. And she said that it was so sad, because a lot of them would try and hand the flyers back, because they didn't believe that we were coming down to help them, and that somebody from a different country would care about them enough to come help them physically and it just broke my heart when she said that so there was a day before the clinic that we went out and passed out flyers and um you know just talked to different people letting them know we were there that we were there to help them and to help them for free and um the the looks on their faces they just couldn't believe all these americans were walking around in their city and uh Juliana had said, "You know, even though we're passing out flyers, we want them to see you to see that you're actually here, that you do care and that you are coming and that we weren't lying and It just broke my heart that that they didn't believe that and <laughs> we would get to the clinic each morning, we would ride a bus there, and we would get there, and there would just be crowds of people just waiting to come in and be seen and it was just so exciting to be able to give them the treatment that they needed um, we would uh, I was in the eye clinic, like like uh, you guys had seen, and um, so it was really cool because I got to do a refraction, so I would check somebody one on one with um, with a refractor and so as each person came in, I just tried to pray for them, and you know just that they would we would not only be able to give them the the physical meet them physically but also meet them their needs spiritually and Since I was in the gym, I was in the vision clinic, I got to see as after we saw them we sent them over to the evangelism side and I it was so cool to just be able to look over there and just be reminded like this is the true reason why we're here we are here to help them physically and with their physical needs but the true reason we are here is for God's mission and to be able to see like you saw in the video the the gospel being shared and people getting saved right there it was just it was amazing and it just, my, my love for missions and my love for people has just grown so much more because of this trip. And uh, me and Kale are planning. I don't know when or where it's going to be, but we are planning on, we feel like God has called us to foreign missions. Um, and, and this trip has just really confirmed that in my heart that someday I do believe that we will be doing this somewhere else in a different country, and I just want to thank you for, um, thank all the people that made this possible, that helped me get, um, whether it was financially or just the people that set up this trip, I just want to thank you very much and know that my life is truly changed because of this trip. Thank you.
5: Hi, I'm Rachel Gitz. Albania was incredible, as you've been hearing from everyone else. And I have so many stories and experiences from it, but they all center around one truth, and that is that the Lord is faithful. He is so faithful, and He kept showing me that and reminding me of that over and over again on this trip, and even before this trip. So I'll start with the before. Um, I had signed up to go, and I didn't have the money to go in my account and I but I knew that the Lord would provide because he had been just tugging at my heart to go and so I knew that I could trust him I sent out support letters to raise support and in less than a month the entire amount came in to be able to go on the trip and the Lord totally showed his faithfulness through the giving hearts of the people he's placed in my life and then even after that money kept coming in and I had planned to Give it to missions after I got back from the trip. But with the extra expenses of insurance and other things, it was the exact amount I needed. And so the Lord totally provided there, which was so cool. And then once we were on the trip, um, yeah, I was really sick right off the bat Monday morning. And um, the Lord just gave me the strength to get through, to keep on serving. And I'm so thankful for that and um, yeah, throughout the whole clinic, I was in the vision clinic and so as Jeff had said earlier, we were in the school and the gym, half of it was the vision clinic, half of it was where the evangelism was taking place and one of my favorite parts of that was that I did get to look over and as I was looking through glasses or in between patients, I could pray for individual faces and I got to see the gospel being shared. I got to see people who were there for 30 or 40 minutes talking about God's love for them, the looks on their faces. I got to see heads bowed, and I knew in that moment people were accepting Christ. And it was powerful, and it was beautiful. And yeah, 224 people came to accept Christ. And I know that this is just a start of his work. He's going to keep working in Albania and in the lives of the people who came through. And yeah, that was incredible. And he even shows faithfulness away from the clinic, um, there was Elvis, and (laughs) um, one day, some of us were throwing a frisbee, it went over our heads, and there's this guy who got it for us, and we said, thank you in Albanian, and he said, oh, you speak Albanian, but he said that in English, and we were like, oh, you speak English, and so (laughs) we got to talk to him, and we just began talking to him, building a friendship with him on that first day, and he was a 19-year-old who actually worked in the hotel we were staying at, and through the conversation, Chase ended up being able to share the gospel with him, and we found out that he, he's Muslim, and yeah, every day after the clinic, Chase Riley and I would meet up with him, and we just got to continue growing in our friendship with him, and um, as the week went on, I was just feeling fear just some fear of once we leave, there's only so much we can do from across the world to continue to, like, share God's love with him. And I just started praying that God would surround him with people who love the Lord. And then it was so cool because God even gave me a glimpse into that. We were walking one night. Chase and I were with Elvis. And somehow got to the point of, Chase playing guitar, and he said, oh, one of my friends has guitar, if you want to like borrow it to play while you're here, and he said, actually, that friend's a Christian, like you guys, and it was a guy he worked with, and Elvis is like, oh, he made this really cool film, let me show you, and so in the middle of the sidewalk, like full volume on his phone, um, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone starts playing by Tomlin, and um, yeah, he. This, there's this video uh, showing a story of a guy who is just caught up in the life of sin, and he just, like, comes to know God somewhere in the film, and it shows a transformed life. And as I was, like, standing there in that moment watching the video, God just gave me a peace, and... It was like he said, Rachel, trust me, you know. And we are the smallest part of his story, and God is going to continue loving and pursuing Elvis. And I am confident in that. And, yeah, the Lord is faithful all the time. And he just kept reminding me of that on this trip. It was a blessing to get to serve alongside the people from here, from First Baptist, and from our brothers and sisters across the world, it was amazing to me the unity that I felt, you know, and there were translators who I was able to speak to, but even the people who, despite the language barrier, you know, there was unity, and I felt love for them, I felt their love for me, even when we couldn't communicate, and I know that that all stands on the fact that Christ is our savior, and we find unity in him, so yeah. The trip was just incredible for me, and God is good.
6: Hi there, I'm Bobby Thompson. Um, I gave my life to the Lord 20 years ago. While reading the Bible, God revealed the personal relationship he desires with every person. Without that relationship, I was outside his family and faced eternal separation from him with weeping and gnashing of teeth. I counted the cost of what it would mean to follow Jesus, realizing some people in my life wouldn't like that decision, but this was God, creator. I chose the Lord professing whatever. I fully surrender. I'm often brought back to that day as I take inventory of my life. For many months, my prayer has been Psalm 25, verses 5 and 21. Verse 5 says, "Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation; on thee do I wait all the day." In verse 21, "Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee." Initially, I signed up for the trip with Elise and my disciple Tia. In God's sovereignty, soon after signing up, Tia was diagnosed with cancer and no longer able to go. As you think on her, would you pray that she'd be able to go on another trip? I've witnessed the life-changing aspect of this trip, and I want Tia to experience God's fullness. I want that for the circle of every person in my life. My specific tasks included lab work and organizing patients to see the doctors in our room. We had cultural and language challenges. The interpreters were very helpful. Several of us had brought candy for the children. We found that waiting adults like getting a treat just as much as the children. (laughs) We used eye contact, physical touch, and hand gestures to help people understand. Brotherly kindness was displayed during this trip, as in 2 Peter 1, verses 5 through 8. I made a personal surrender to the Lord that I will serve the Lord with my whole heart. I've determined that James 1.8 won't be said of me. One of the interpreters tearfully shared that she witnessed Christ in us. That was a powerful statement. I went on this trip because I'm an overcomer, Revelation 3.21. I have a desire to leave fruit that remains. I want to be an example to my children, my disciples, and my students. I choose to live on purpose, not be comfortable and complacent. I was blessed by learning from other believers in regards to relationships, leadership, and organizational skills. I had true fellowship with other believers, especially the, the people of our church. Iron sharpeneth iron. Check out Proverbs 27, 17. I'm reminded that I can bring glory and joy to my Lord, uh, third John chapter 4, or verse 4, rather. Bringing Elise allowed her to be productive, show her independence, and bless others. We united in service, and this is a great treasure. While serving the clinic, I was overwhelmed by God's goodness. People who were saved because of that clinic, I would see in heaven, and I'm part of that salvation. It was a, good, it was a time to give, but it was also a time to get. My spirit is refreshed. God allowed me to witness his work and his goodness. I got an understanding of missionary work and how prayers and financial support advance Christ's kingdom. I was able to lock shields with the church in Albania. I got quality time with the Lord. I have a clearer mindset and a vision for the Lord's work and what that looks like practically in my everyday life. I can understand Jeff and his family better and know how to pray. Truly, God is able, and his word is alive as we obey.
7: Hi, guys. My, my, my name is Elise Thompson. Um, this is my first trip to Albania with, with MMO team, and my first airplane ride. A is awesome. There is a beach my first time. I ate two fish, it's good. The sunset is wonderful. And the second one is says, my first day at the clinic, it is hot and humid. I drink water every day, it is good. I play with kids. Hand out the animal hand puppets to the kids. Play with them. My student is Fishing channel To put glasses I defeat the Abilenean people and can read. Abilenean people got saved and go to church. Thank you, Bartels, to translate to the Abilenean people and help us out. Thanks for everything. To teach us for aboriginal language, and thank you.
8: My name's Craig Williams. Uh, that's a better picture of me versus the one they showed for the clinic. It was kind of a, it was an action photo. I never know when it was taken um, because I was constantly in, in movement. And, uh, and Pastor Jeff, thank you for turning down the, you know, where icicles are coming down. That's nice. That's nice. Um, first of all, I want to thank everyone for your prayers and your encouragement during this trip. Um, this is, was my first missions trip I've been involved with this church since 1992 but this is my first missions trip along with my wife and uh, I wish she were here today she is uh, uh, doing continuing education um, for her CEUs and stuff up in Canton so uh, she wishes she was here today Um, my story on this trip has a lot of parts to it Um, so I'll try to put it all together at the end in a fairly quick fashion. Uh, My story began basically on the fourth, and what has happened in my life and how things evolved happened on the fourth day of the clinic, um, which was our last day there, which would be on a Thursday. Um, Each morning uh, before the clinic started, Bradley uh, started our day with a daily devotion, uh, which was uh, Mark 2, 1 through 12, and he gave this uh, these verses to us a week beforehand so we can read on it, meditate it, so on so we can be prepared each day. And um, later on, I'll read Mark 2, 9 through 12 to you. Um, sometime in the morning, of, on that Thursday morning, Becky Pope, uh, it's kind of like Bradley's second-in-command, and uh, she was in charge of all operations on the floor, uh, came to me and said, your wife needs you right away. And, and Becky said, "I'll just replace you what you're doing." And um, And I know my wife was down where the labs room was, because the labs room were, were sharing with labs, uh, chiropractic and physical therapy. And she also stopped by uh, the, the dentistry part, where Linda Hobart. Because my wife needed two people at that time. And I didn't know what it was for. Um, so, and uh, from there, um, when I was working down the hallway, I saw Bradley come down. Yeah, I could see the hallway. It's about as far as from here to the front doors. Bradley was carrying a patient. Not, not just, you know, helping him, carrying him. And they, he carried him into the lab room. Now, what was happening in there, I had no idea. So, um, so we get into so I, Linda and I, we both get into the room, and I see this gentleman that Bradley had carried sitting down in the corner, and my wife was there, and so we went over there, and I notice on this guy's feet were different straps and just you know she concocted this thing to make this person's feet go straight Um, I asked my wife what what are we we dealing with a stroke what are we dealing with and she she says uh, we got the diagnosis of paralysis but he's able to feel his legs and feet um so he's sitting there and so and my wife goes we're going to walk him So my wife tells me to get on the left side which was his weaker side and Linda was on the right side and she told us to help him up but keep your hand out as though our our arms were as walkers And so through the interpreter through so many, you know, it was very noisy in there because there was chiropractic going on, there was labs, there was patients, there's, I don't know how many people were in there, and we pick them up, you know, at first because again, we're going to have them stand. My wife was on her hands and knees in front of this patient, holding his ankle straight as we were holding. As he was holding our arms, and I noticed that his upper body was strong because he was really holding on to our arms. He walked 10 steps, with the help of us three, and his daughter was behind him with a chair in case he fell down. After 10 steps, a lot of sweat, a lot of he sat down. Folks, his eyes were dissipated. His eyes smiled. He was very stoic. His eyes smiled. I don't know about you how cool things are when something first happens and you see that and you see the eyes, you know what's happening. So, my wife, she's just, she's cranking on. I mean, she's speaking as fast and as hard, and the interpreter is, is just going on and on and trying to explain something to his daughter and this and this, trying to go in the order. And after a minute or two, she asked the patient through the interpreter, would you like to walk back to where you came from? He was, yes. So this time... We barely picked him up, he was able to pivot, and he was in a more forward leaning position as the way a normal person would walk. All the weight was on our arms, we were not carrying him at all, and he walked 10 more steps. This is Mark two nine through twelve. Whither is easier to say the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy. I say unto thee, arise and take up thy bed and go away into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed. And glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. You know, I didn't think of that verse at that time until after we got done walking this patient. Pastor Jeff came in, I, and my wife was speaking to him, trying to get. He needs, this gentleman needs AFO braces, specific type of braces to keep his ankles straight, and a walker. We were trying to get that to happen. And again, time was, I, I don't know how long we were there, and Pastor Jeff's like, Well, what, what had happened? I, I couldn't wait to tell him what had happened, and right away he goes, Mark chapter 2 just happened. And it just, like, you know, hit me right there. You know what? And also, all the people there witnessed what had happened because, again, Bradley brought him in. He carried him in, and they were able to see him walk. So, after that, my feet got a little bit lighter. My shoulders was raised up a little bit higher. My load was lighter. And it was our last day, and it was just, it was so great. And so, when we were all put back to school, back together, and we were ready to go on the bus, we got on the bus, and I just kind of sat there, I forget who I was sitting with at that time, I was just kind of sat there, had my sunglasses on, and I had tears I couldn't stop because I just witnessed four days of what we did through God and such a powerful message that we gave we listened we cared for retreated. You know, they, we, we saw close to 2,300 patients in the four days. Ten, 10% accepted Christ. And my heart was feeling what was going to happen the next day when we wouldn't show up on that Friday. We impacted their world through God. And what happened after that, you know, when we came home, everyone else came back, and my wife and I was able to celebrate. It was our 30th wedding anniversary last month, but we were able to celebrate five days in Rome, and we couldn't help but not tell other people, especially Americans that we met, about how we got to Rome and why we were there, and it wasn't because of our anniversary; it was because of our missions trip. Our first dinner, the first night we were there, someone, bought, the people we talked to, bought us our, our dinner <laughs> because of what we did. You know, and so they got to hear, and it was so great coming back to America because even the customs person at New York, JFK thanked us for our service and our sacrifice of what we've done over in Albania. If you've never been to a missions trip either because of time, money or whatever is holding you back, you know what? We've heard it. God will provide and he will reward you a thousand times more. I would like to say thank you very much and God bless you.
0: You know, I I do have um, A short message To share with you To help focus your vision But the truth of the matter is You've heard the message You've heard what God Has done Desires to continue to do Can continue to do through you um, it, you do have some notes in front of you, and I'll go through a few things real quickly, but I don't need to spend a lot of time. Uh, the first point in the little message I wanted to give you, um, I don't know where in preaching school I think you're supposed to leave blanks, so you got a blank to fill in, um, is an open door, the importance of an open door. And so in Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 3, it says, "...with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance." to speak the mystery of Christ for which also I am in bonds and Paul prayed that God would open a door and we prayed that God would open a door and God opened the door and and if you take the time to look into how God opens doors you might want to go back to the very earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ what did Jesus Christ do to open doors so that people's ears would be open to be able to hear the gospel. Well, Jesus Christ went about healing people and helping them and doing physical things to meet people with the real needs, the felt needs of their life, so that then they would listen to the message of why you took the time to meet the felt needs of their life. Have you ever heard the expression, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care? You know, we pray for open doors of utterance. We pray that God would give us an open door in our daily lives here to be able to share the gospel with people. And if you do that, God bless you, that's wonderful. But maybe the most specific way to pray for the open door might be just to pray, God, how can you use me to meet the real felt needs of my friends, of my neighbors? Because sometimes we get caught up in our Christian lives and live it in a Christian bubble and forget that there's people right across the street that have real needs. Oh, in America, they may not necessarily be financial needs. They may not necessarily be without health care, but they have real needs. And if you'll just care about them, well, God just may very well open a door of utterance so that you can share with them the gospel. Because the truth of the matter is, especially in this day and time in which we live right now, people don't just natural, I'm talking about unsaved, non-believing people, they don't just naturally gravitate to the gospel. Have you noticed that? I mean, the Bible tells us that, especially in the last days. Second Timothy chapter 4 and verses 2 through 5, it says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. So we have an obligation to speak. Why? For the time will come and I would say it has come, when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But you, Christian, watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. So we prayed that God would open a door, and God opened a door, and He used the abilities that these medical professionals offer, and he used the willing service of the rest of us who don't have medical skills but are willing to serve to open a door of utterance. Let me remind you in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 7, it says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. So If God opens the door, no man can shut that door. And if we will respond in our lives, loving and caring for people in real ways, with the intention, gospel intentionality, God will open the door and no man can shut it. Romans 8.31 says, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who could possibly be against us? I mean, who else do you really need on your side? Because we're reminded of the principle of 2 Chronicles 16 and verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. It's as though God in heaven is on the portals looking down on all of humanity and his eyes are just scanning all of humanity. Who has a perfect heart? Who is willing to trust me? Who among you? is willing to say, Lord, use me. Because if you're willing to do that, he's certainly willing to use you. And I want to encourage you with that. This clinic was just one example, and it was a beautiful example. But God is the one who opened the door. And when God opens the door, no man can shut it. Well, the second point in our little brief study is an opposed Work because in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 9 it says, For a great door and effectual is open unto me. Paul had some great opportunities, and we had some great opportunities, but that verse goes on to say, And there are many adversaries. So, anytime God opens a door, although we have the promise, no man can shut it. Oh, there are many adversaries. <laughs> there are those who will try to, although they can't shut the door will try and discourage you from not walking through that door. They'll try and discourage you to the point where you're just tired, you're just weary, you're just whatever, and you'll lose your focus. That's a really important thing to remember because it says there are many adversaries. Can I just encourage you with this fact that many is exactly three. (laughs) There's only three adversaries. You have the world, you have the flesh, And you have the devil. Well, the devil's the spiritual force behind it all, but he uses this world system. So when we try and bring our medical supplies and free eyeglasses and whatever through customs, we have the customs agents completely shut us down, don't let us come through. We had a bipolar cleaning lady at the school. Everybody on the team is laughing who, man, if there was ever a tool, you know, used... Of, of an adversarial nature. It was this particular individual. Uh, the world system is against what you're doing, but no man can shut it down. Uh, your flesh is going to say, man, it's 95 degrees outside, and it's probably 100 inside that building with no air conditioning, and we're on our feet all day long, and the people are in the press of the crowd, like Rob shared, and man, I'm tired, and I'm weary, and I'm sweaty, and I'm, you know, uh, and your flesh wants to say, Enough. I need to go swimming. I need to get some air conditioning. Well, there are many adversaries, but no man's shutting that door, right? Those are the only adversaries you have. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 list for you all three of those adversaries. It's what describes your life before you were saved. So we just determined, I'm going to believe God. I'm not falling for that. I'm not going to fall for the trap of my flesh trying to deceive me into not doing what God's doing. I'm not going to fall for the trap that just because there's some opposition from the world and just because there's maybe even some spiritual oppression through some individuals, I'm not going to fall for that. I'm going to believe the Lord, and I'm going to walk through this door. And because we as a united front of believers did that, God did amazing things. Amazing things. And it was so exciting to see how he did that. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 24, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it, friends. He will do it. We just have to put ourselves in a place where we let him do it. The last thing I just want to encourage you with, and we'll be done for today, and that's one accord. One accord. Philippians 2 and verse 2, Fulfill ye my joy that ye may be that you would be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. And, and some of those that have been up here have already alluded to how this team that came together really worked together as a single unit. I never one mi- for one minute witnessed any discord in our team. And, and, and the 13 or 14 individuals who are not a part of First Baptist Church who joined together with us Everybody integrated with everybody else. And everybody got along like we've known each other our whole lives. And listen, that's a work of the Spirit. Because in our flesh, that just doesn't happen naturally. We experienced amazing teamwork. You know what that is? Oh, that's just a simple Bible principle. It's the body of Christ. That's what it is. And the things that we experienced, you all have experienced in your life. And you can experience every single day. You just have to be willing to do it. You have to be willing to realize there's a mission and a goal and a vision that is bigger than me. And you may not like some detail about something that's going on, but I don't really care about that. I can set all of that aside because the mission and the goal and the vision of the gospel and the Great Commission is greater than I am. And who cares if I have a little discomfort? I am here to serve you. I am here to help you. Just imagine if we all did that. Every day, all the time. Wouldn't that be outstanding? Think how the church truly becomes then the hospital for wounded souls. And think how people come in and really get the spiritual healing that they need. But in order for that one accord unity to take place, the next couple of verses in Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4, requires some sacrifice, right? But let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other... Better than themselves, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. How frequently we forget the very simple principle. You don't need a fifth grade education to understand those sentences I just read to you. But do we really apply them in our lives? Listen, the body of Christ needs to sacrifice together to bring many people to Christ. So, Craig shared the Mark II story. And that's the story where there was the guy laid on the bed and the four friends carried the bed and all the people were in the house around Jesus and there was no room and they opened the hole in the roof and they dropped him down. Okay, so in that story, know this. If no other application, know this application. It took four people to bring one guy to Christ. If those four guys didn't work together, that guy wouldn't have been brought to Jesus. He wouldn't have been healed physically, and his sins would not have been forgiven. And that's what we need to be a part of. Jesus looked at those four, and it says, when he saw their faith, well, how do you see somebody's faith? Well, because in the book of James, it says faith without works is dead. And so your faith ought to motivate you to live a life that demonstrates something, amen? King David, in a story back in 2 Samuel chapter 24, as he was looking to purchase a piece of land so that he could build an altar to the Lord, and the gentleman who owned the land saw the king, and he said, oh, let me just give it to you. You're my king. You're the king of Israel. Let me I offer freely my land to you. And David says, look, I'm not going to offer anything to God that didn't cost me something. And you know what? That principle is true of us too. We can't offer anything to God that didn't cost us something. It's going to cost you a little bit of your pride. It's going to cost you a little bit of your time. It's going to cost you a little bit of your money. It's going to cost you some some humility. It's going to cost you something so that we together can bring people to Jesus Christ. The question is, does it matter enough such that you would do it? Listen. There's a lot of work that's required to pull off an endeavor like this. But if we have vision, if we have faith, people willing to respond in faith, and then if we have people willing to do the work because ministry is work, then things will happen. Why aren't more things happening for the Lord around the world? Well, where there's no vision, nobody even gets off square one where there's no individuals that say, here am I, I'll respond in faith, well then nobody ever gets up to do anything. But somebody might have vision and they might have faith, but they're too lazy to get anything done. When no work is done, then nothing ever happens. Together with the work, not only includes the details of what, for example, we did every day in the heat or whatever, but it also includes in our lives preparation and training. If you would... Come back next week and spend time. We're going to spend some time next Sunday and we're going to talk a little bit about discipleship. Now, that's something very common to those of us who come here all the time. But there's something about preparation and training that is just so very important for you. You want to effectively serve the Lord with your whole life, you need to know how to do that. And we offer you ways to do that. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 47, notice this and that servant which knew his Lord's will. You know God's will for your life? Well, generally, it's helped to be a part of fulfilling the Great Commission. That servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, and neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. You know what God wants you to do? You're not taking steps to prepare yourself so that you can do it? Well, you'll give an account for that. The very next verse is a verse we're all familiar with, verse 48. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. Notice, for unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much of them, will they ask the more. Listen, y'all. Wealthiest country in the world. Most all of you find your home in a church that believes the word of God, teaches it faithfully, you have fellowship and friends and resources and understanding and ability and time. Much has been given, and much is required. The people that were with us in Albania could look across the way at our Albanian brothers and sisters, and I could not be more proud of the Albanian church and how they responded. There was about 50 of us total, but there was far more than 50 of them every day working earlier in the morning till later in the evening, never complained. The people that were with us on this team can testify. You can't look at the Albanians and say they have been given what we have been given. They have not. They responded pretty good. We've been given much. So my challenge for you as we wrap it up right now is just this. Each and every one of you, for yourself, consider this question. What is my personal strategy to help fulfill the Great Commission in this generation? John chapter 4, verse 35. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then come with the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Never been on a mission trip? Pray about it. Let God lead you. Sign up for one. We have a missions conference in the fall. We have opportunities all the time. There's a lot of people that are doing things. Medical Missions is an outstanding organization. They take trips every single month. Sign up for any of them. It's the greatest thing you could possibly do if you've never been on a trip. It's a wonderful opportunity. But whatever God would have you to do, would you just respond to him in faith as we pray? Let's pray together.